I think women don't always know enough about their bodies. I think we grow up being told things are normal that aren't normal. Oh, you have heavy bleeding, that's normal. Oh, you have really bad cramps, so do I, that's normal. Um, it's not normal. Um, and we don't know that it's not normal. And so we don't actually go to seek out what could be causing it. Because we really believe, I grew up with the worst cramps ever. I would miss school when I was, you know, when I had my cramps. Um, and lived my whole life, never went to check it out, thought it was normal. Um, I also notice a lot of women go to their doctors and are not always told they have fibroids. I think if they don't complain of the symptoms, the doctor doesn't actually think it's important to mention because they don't have symptoms. We, you know, we travel a lot more, people live further apart from each other than they used to. Um, I think it's pushing women to wait longer to have kids. Um, I do believe there's a lot we can do to support women who have children. Um, you know, I always look at it this way. I'm a woman and I had children and I was able to still work and build a company and, and become successful. You know, when you said empathize, um, because a lot of times, right, as a black woman, you know, we, we don't get a lot of empathy, right? Because people just believe that, you know, you can do this, you're a strong girl, you're a big girl. You can do this and i always find myself advocating so i've had four c-section and i've i always find myself advocating for myself it, it wasn't a failure as a parent it was there was something causing these things that made him feel better about himself and made me feel better as a parent because all of a sudden it wasn't this guilt of i failed him i didn't do a good job why is he struggling it was oh He's struggling because it's normal to struggle with these things when you have ADHD. It's not something I did. It's not something he's not doing. So coming to that conclusion and that realization and helping him through that process of discovering that, for me, felt like a big win for both of us. This is Level Up, a Mother Honestly podcast powered by Indeed. The last two years have been about mothers taking a step back to support our families as we navigate the post-pandemic future of women at work. We are back, ready to level up personally and professionally. We host real and honest conversations with global leaders in parenting, business, work, and life, providing step-by-step -step solutions for your next level. I am your host, Blessing Adeshian, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly, a chemical engineer, energy, supply chain, and operational excellence leader, and a mother of four. You will also hear from my friend and co-host, Andrea Molan, founder and CEO of Victory Public Relations and mother to two boys. We are here to level up with Indeed. Hi, Blessing. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I, um, how was your husband's birthday? I know we are recording this after our guest interview and you were getting ready to go celebrate your husband's birthday, I think with friends while we were doing that interview. That was something, right? Like I literally <laughs> was combing through my hair and putting up makeup during the podcast. It was amazing. Like, you know, I think as a, as a mom, right? As a mom of four, and also a business owner and trying to scale the company um, at this rate that we are doing it, it's it's almost impossible to like not be rushing everywhere. I literally was what? rushing through the podcast and I think I was chatting with you and 
a podcast guest about like, all right, I'm leaving. See you guys. I'll see you ladies. Uh, but I really enjoyed the podcast. And of course, Bis's birthday was amazing. I can't believe it's 46. I'm like, you are an old man. Don't ever tell anyone your age. He does look young. I have to give him that. Like when we met and he told me to guess his age, I was 10 years off. Like literally 10 years off. This guy is like aging well. Okay. Yeah. Aging yeah. Well. <laughs> yes. When you told me that he turned 46, I don't know if you remembered, but I said it must be that cushy lifestyle he's living. He does like eat like <laughs> vegetables and salmon. I'm like, I just want to eat bread and rice, you know, like, but yeah, it's cool. I'm so glad that he enjoyed his birthday. He really did have fun. He doesn't really like going out as much, you know, so it was really nice to like pull him out of his like home, homeboard lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How was your weekend? It was great. We actually had a little bit of a quiet weekend. Um, but next weekend coming is a big one for us because it's also my husband's birthday. He's Ooh. turning four. And so I've planned um, actually a surprise party for him, a little surprise party. And so that is um, similar to what you described. I have a lot going on at work. We have a lot going on with the kids and it feels very frantic, but I, you know, remember, I remind myself that this is all very good stuff that I am really lucky and grateful to be able to do Absolutely. when I feel like it's spinning a little out of control, you know? Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I, I just feel fortunate that I can do this and still be a present mother to my kids. Like I work from home and I still have a time, right. To like meet up with friends, have brunch, breakfast. Yeah. So I, I feel very lucky. And um, plus, I don't know about you, but we have not done much socializing, like socializing period because of through the pandemic, there was that first summer, I feel like we did. And then things got a little bit um, quieter and now because we had the Omicron pop, we really haven't been doing dinners with friends and parties and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. it's nice to have, um, you know, it's nice to get out there again. Absolutely. I think I think everyone is just exhausted from this, yeah. you know, yeah, staying home, but obviously like taking all the precautions still, yeah. you know, the best yeah. we can. So yeah, yeah, let's, let's chat about it. We're excited about the podcast. Yes. Well, before we get into that, do we want to discuss what happened at the Oscars this weekend? Oh, my word, Andrea. I was perplexed. <laughs> um, first of all, none of, none of what happened needed to have happened. And at first I was like, yes, he deserved it. You know, you don't make fun of a woman's health condition. But mm -hmm. then, you know, I had to like just put myself in the shoes of the guests. You know, yeah. that did not look nice for um, us no. to like just get into that kind of physical um, altercation um, as much as what like Rock, Chris Rock said was, you know, awful. I think there was a different forum for that to be addressed in a very classy manner. Um, but, you know, let's just even go back to the core issue. Right. Why is it that, you know, we can make fun of a woman's situation this way, you know, in on public TV. And this is not the first time that has happened. I hear mm -hmm. this is the second time that has happened. 
And it's not okay. You know, a lot of women were comparing ourselves to other women, right? Does she have hair? Do I have hair? And these are real issues that people are going through, real health challenges. You know, she's losing her hair. Like, that's a big deal, especially for a woman on TV. You know, like, it's not like she's walking from home. You know, it's like she literally, like, this is a livelihood and it's slipping away. And so for Mm -hmm. him to make that statement, that was... I felt I thought that was very disrespectful, and mm-hmm. I believed that both of them were very disrespectful. Yeah, yeah, it was certainly um, just a really unfortunate thing that happened. I think that you know um, Jada Pinkett Smith is a beautiful woman. I didn't realize that she had alopecia, and um, you know, but I think about the women in her shoes in her situation who aren't celebrities and who don't have, you know, the platform that she has necessarily and the security that she has and how that must make them feel. But I also think that it is, I remember when I first became aware of and, um, you know, watched stand-up comedy and it's like uncomfortable how mean some of it is. I don't know why that's, I guess, a separate issue, but I never understood why, things that are just so mean are considered funny. You yeah, know, I, I, I don't understand why. Because, you know, viewers um, want authenticity. They want things that are funny, yes, but not at the expense of, you know, somebody's health, right? Especially in, this, in a society where, you know, our mental health is down the drain, especially because of the pandemic. Um, suicide rates are high. Like, please don't go there. You know, like he could have found something equally funny that had no consequences. Um, so yeah, I I was just very um, taken aback by that. But mm-hmm. I'm glad yes. that looks like both men um, are handling the aftermaths really well. So let's hope yes. that they can, they can make up. Hopefully there's like a learning. I hope so too. To see that. It's almost like... Um, you know, when we see people behave badly and then sort of address it in a way that is that feels productive, maybe there's something, there's some good, perhaps there's some good to come of that. I don't know. <laughs> so getting into today's podcast, we're speaking with Nihel Faruqi, MD, co-founder and president of New York City-based Viva Eve, a fibroid treatment and women's health center. Nihel is a mom of two boys. She ran a private psychology practice in Egypt where she grew up also for more than a decade and is herself a a fibroid survivor. Her mission is to reinvent how women's health is managed. And so I should mention that their focus, this Nihel's and the practice's focus on fibroids is what actually caught your attention blessing. And um, I noticed after a couple of months ago or weeks ago, when you were posting out, you were posting articles that you had read about fibroid conditions and um, saying that you were surprised about them. Vivi Eve is actually a client of my agencies. And I thought, oh my God, you know, we, these are statistics that we hear all the time in our work that black and brown women are two to three times more likely to have fibroids than white women. And that some, a shocking number of women across the board suffer from from fibroids that are never or take a very long time to be diagnosed. So as we talk about leveling up and we talk about 
the experience women have at work and at home. Certainly, caring for our health is a core part of that. And so we thought that this was a great opportunity to invite someone like Nihal on and talk with us about, um, you know, how we can better manage our own healthcare and be our own advocates, where sometimes it's really difficult to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I was very excited when you said you found somebody um, that could come and talk to us about, you know, women's health, but also someone that focuses on fibroid, because that was an issue that was important to me. Um, I had, you know, of course, with this whole cross-continental lifestyle, um, being more closer to my family here in Nigeria, I started talking to a few friends and I noticed that every other woman that I spoke to, um, and I think I literally took a poll and it was three out of five. That was just my poll. Um, and I was so glad that Nihal confirmed that, you know, during the podcast, because these issues um, are almost like silent diseases that nobody talks about. It's like, I have never heard anyone talk to me about fibroids or the possibilities or the pain or the side effects all the symptoms, but these are very rampant. And I think they're much more rampant in women of color, in brown women, you know? And yep. so for me, it was more around, as long as we continue to talk about women's health, we need to also consider um, fibroids and the consequences yep. or the um, debilitating effect that it has on a woman's life um, and also on a woman's career, right? Um, you and I talk about this all the time. You can't be successful at work if you're not successful at home. And also being successful at home also requires um, that you have a, you know, um, a healthy body and mind and spirit. And if you have a health condition that stops you from, you know, finding meaningful joy at home or at work or in your life, um, then, you know, then you don't have the opportunity to, whether it's level up in your career or live the life that you really want to live. So I'm so glad that we had the chance and the opportunity to chat with um, Nihal today, Dr. Nihal, because I thought that was remarkable, all the amazing ways that they empower women, empathize with women on how to approach their health and approach their life. Um, I thought that yep. was just super, super, super amazing. I agree. And I appreciate your openness to the conversation. Nihel talks about this in her interview, but just to give some context around it, um, an estimated 26 million Americans have fibroids and of those about 15 million suffer from debilitating symptoms, including heavy menstrual bleeding, intense pelvic pressure or pain, bladder problems and fertility issues. So these are, as we know, and of course of that, black and brown women are two to three times more likely to have them to have these complaints than um, white women. And of course, as we know, issues surrounding our fertility health and our menstrual cycle are not widely discussed. Many women don't feel very comfortable broaching these topics. They feel there's this feeling that, you know, terrible cramps, disruptive periods are just a fact of life when you're being, a, when you are a woman. And that is, um, you know, not, it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive yeah. into the podcast. I think there's a lot that, you know, we can all walk away with in terms of how do we advocate for ourselves? How do we genuinely 
um, take care of ourselves. Because I think as women, we don't give ourselves the permission to get the help and support that we need. I know for myself, I prioritize my kids' health appointments. I prioritize, you know, their checkups. I can't even remember the last time I went for my own checkup um, because, you know, I just don't put myself first when it comes to these things. So I was very excited to have this conversation. Did you make your appointments? I did. Like, like, right after I was like, I literally put it on my notes and I sent it to my personal assistant. I was like, can we like get this on the calendar? Uh, because that's another thing too. If you have like an EA or something um, or a virtual assistant, especially a lot of founders have this, um, you know, those are things that you can make sure gets done as well. You know, it's not just the business. If you're not fully equipped um, to run your business, there's no way, right? You're going to be successful. So in order to be fully equipped, you need to be sound. You need to be of sound mind. Yeah, totally. And I did the same thing, Blessing. After our conversation with that happened a few days ago, I made a number of appointments, of doctor's mm -hmm. appointments myself that I haven't had in probably, you know, a, a, not, a, not a reasonable amount of time. So if nothing else, hopefully women are reminded of that importance. Let's dive in. Awesome. Hi, Nehal. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's kick things off by um, talking about how you make all of the pieces of work and life fit together. Okay, that's, a, that's a, the uh, question of the ages, isn't it? How working women kind of um, manage a work-life balance. Um, yes. I think it's very challenging, and I think that any woman who says she's got it all figured out is either a genius, and I'd love to meet her, or maybe not being completely honest with herself, because it is one of the hardest things to do is to find that work-life balance. Um, I do things that work for me. Um, I have children. Uh, one is 23, not so much a child anymore, but still lives there at home. Um, and I have a 12 year old, uh, both boys. And, um, you know, we work a lot. We just opened a new, Viva Eve just opened a new flagship practice in Manhattan. So that was a very busy time. Um, but I do little things like when I'm in meetings, um, unless it's a meeting I absolutely cannot step away from, when my kids call, I'll almost always answer just because I never wanted my kids to grow up having a memory of work was more important for my mom than we were. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of, uh, when I used to work as a therapist, I had a lot of kids who would complain about that. And I just never wanted my kids to feel like they could never reach me. So... Um, so, so I always make it a point. I always make it a point to answer them, um, even if it's with a text. If I'm in the middle of a, of, a, of a meeting and I just text and say, hey, I'm in a meeting, but text me what you need. And sometimes it's, hey, what's in the fridge to eat? And I'm like, uh, you're at home. You can check. Anybody who has boys will relate to that. But I always try to make them feel like I'm there. Um, I also try to switch off at a certain time at home. When I get home past a certain time, I, I really try not to answer any emails or do any work unless it's an, an absolute emergency. Um, I don't want my kids to remember what the top of my head looks like more than what my face looks like in 50 years, you know, because I'm on the phone all the time. Yeah. So I do try to switch off at a certain time and just give them my full attention. Dinner time is like sacred in our home. We have dinner together at the table as a family with no phones because it's the one time in the day that we actually can all sit together. We can yeah. all talk and check in on each other's days and it's uninterrupted and we're enjoying a meal together. So that for us is very important. And the weekend, Sundays are a sacred family day. Unless we have something work-related, we do not go off on our own. We do things as a family together on Sunday. My parents instilled that in me growing up. For us, 
in Egypt, it was Friday. It wasn't Sunday, but that was non-negotiable. We could not do anything on family day unless it was with the family. So those are little things, I, little rules I set for myself that I try to do to help me, force me to have that work-life balance that's so hard to have yeah. when a working woman. So a lot of our listeners are um, moms of younger children, which I'm sure you can remember the logistics yeah. and everything that was involved in in making those pieces work um, as they, you know, I think a lot of them are looking towards the older, you know, actually have no idea what to expect with the older years. Is there, you know, what are the support pieces that you rely on to, um, you know, what type like your childcare concerns probably are a little different than the woman with toddlers and babies. Um, but can you share a little bit about how you manage that component now with, you know, you mentioned a 12 year old, so I'm sure yeah. there's some need in that yeah. area. It's hard. It's hard because I don't know about most women, but me as a woman, I'm not very good about asking for help. Um, I think we kind of get programmed to think we're supposed to do it all ourselves. So it becomes hard for some of us to reach out and ask, but it literally does take a village to raise children. It really does. It It's such a nicer concept, this whole raising yeah. children in a village together more than just everyone on their own. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to be self-employed. So when my children were younger, when they were two, three years old, if I didn't have daycare, if I didn't have um, a babysitter, I would take them to work with me. But I had that luxury because I, I, I was self-employed. Um, as they sure. got a bit older, like my 12 year old is homesick today, for example, he's not in school, he's homesick. I'm lucky enough that my older son is able to work from home today so that he can just be got there, it. keep an eye on him and take him to, to the doctor, which he's going to do. Um, but if he wasn't there, if he wasn't living at home, it would be very challenging to just know that I'm here yeah. and my son is at home, not feeling well by himself at 12 years old. Um, that definitely gets easier as they get older, but when they're younger, you know, I always find it women who have families that live around them that are able to help grandparents that have retired and are willing to pitch in are so lucky. That is such a blessing to have because it really takes a burden off. Um, because if the woman and the man are working and the child is homesick, it, 90% of the time it's the woman that's going to call out of work and stay home. Um, so it does fall on us as women much more than our counterparts. Yeah. And it's a difficult thing, but I try to get better at leaning on friends, family as much as I can because I still do have a 12-year-old. Um, that's at home sometimes and needs something. Yeah, totally. So here at Mother Honestly, our mission is to enable women to flourish both at home and at work with health and wellness, a key factor of that. And yet we know that women deprioritize, we think that women deprioritize their health and wellness. What's your take on that? So my experience, and I'm not speaking for all women, but my experience before the pandemic and through the pandemic has been that women are actually more likely to go to the doctor before something turns serious and it, it's fatal than men. Men tend to go to the doctor after they've had the heart attack. They tend to go to the doctor after the cancer is in stage four. Women, I, I find from my experience, tend to be more um, willing to go and seek you know, medical help if something's not feeling right, especially maybe OBGYN uh, because GYN issues are things you can't really ignore. Um, and during the pandemic, our experience as a practice here in Viva Eve was we didn't really, our patients didn't really stay away during the pandemic. In fact, we got busier during the pandemic. Um, we adopted a lot of patients that whose, uh, you know, OBGYNs had shut down during the pandemic, unfortunately. But a lot of women were coming to us even during the pandemic saying, I don't even know if I need to be here. I just, I'm stressed out at home. This is new to us. And I wanted to come somewhere familiar. And they were coming to do appointments because they felt safe and familiar. Um, so we actually saw a very tiny dip in our patient numbers during the pandemic. And then it just 
actually increased a lot. So I think the one thing women tend to neglect in their health is their emotional and their mental health more than their physical. And again, that's just in my experience. Um, sure. And I think that's the one thing that we maybe as women don't take seriously enough when it happens because my kids need me. I don't have time to go to a therapist. My, you know, um, I don't have time to work out because I have to make dinner. I don't, I think we tend to neglect more our physical and our, our, that in that sense, our physical and our emotional and mental health more than going to the doctor and getting checked out and catching things. Um, and I think that's something we do need to get better at as women, because like the old adage says on the plane, when you get on the plane, and I know this is very cliche, but when they tell you if the oxygen mask drops, you put it on yourself first before you put it on somebody else. Because if you're not doing well, you can't help anyone. We really need to live by that because as women, I don't think we do that very well. We don't take care of ourselves in order. We always prioritize our children, our husband, our parents, our but if we're not okay, all of that falls apart. 100% for sure. Absolutely. Neha, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that was the biggest reason why we started more honestly, because it felt like every single parenting platform out there was all about breastfeeding, homeschooling. It was all about the kids. It was all about what are we going to do for the kids? What is, you know, how do we support our kids? And, you know, we started talking to ourselves about, well, what about me? What yeah. about mom? Like, how do we, you know, support ourselves? How do we make sure that we actually have the tools and resources to do all of those things, right? That exactly. we really want to do for family exactly. and that we want to do yeah. for our careers. And so, and, 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 you know, that's why we continue to sit at that intersection where we place the mother first so that she can then be able to do all the things and achieve all of the dreams that she wants to achieve. Very true. I agree 100% with that. Yes. So it's interesting that the experience you shared differs slightly from, I think, some of the headlines that we read about that, you know, the height of the pandemic. Can you share a little bit of, if anything surprised you about what was bringing, you know, what women were focused on in terms of their own health and also what was bringing them comfort and sustaining them to get through what we know was a very challenging time and in many ways continues to be um some of those things those challenges continue even today with disruptions to work um you know in a lot of places there are still quarantines going on um that kind that kind of thing yeah and i think what we saw with a lot of our patients that were coming in um like i mentioned just a few minutes ago a lot of them were coming in just because they were so anxious and stressed out nobody understood the pandemic yet um there was a lot of fear and they wanted to be able to leave the house but go somewhere they felt safe and comfortable and for them their OBGYN office was somewhere they felt safe and comfortable um yeah. of course we we made sure to make it safe because we added all these extra layers of protection and so you know they did feel like we were taking all the extra measures but a lot of women were, you know, the whole work from home and and and, child, and, and yeah. children staying home to do school. Very few women actually it, it made their life easier, and a lot of women it made it a lot more difficult. Not just because they were trying to work and the kids were home. A lot of us women, and and some of us are ashamed to admit this, but when we have young children and it's a very difficult time, work is almost an outlet. Um, you know, you think it's harder to work when you have kids, but sometimes women will say. I can't wait to get to the office. I need to get away from this chaos at home. And so it allowed women with young children, for some of us, an outlet of going to the office and stepping away from the home chaos and feeling like your own self for a little bit before you go home again. And it allowed you to miss the children. You're away from the chaos for a little bit, eight hours a day, then you go home and you're actually happy to see them versus being around them all day, every day. It can be very challenging. Um, a lot of women lost that because now they were working from home. Yeah. 
the kids were home. Um, they were, everything was all over the place and we didn't get that break from the house. And I think women need that break from the house, whether it's an hour at the gym, whether it's even going to work, you're doing something for you. Um, we didn't get that anymore. So a lot of women, I think, struggled with that during the pandemic. Well, that's what I heard them, them saying. It was a big struggle. Few women thought it was, you know, easier for them that the kids were now home and they could work from home. But for many of us, we lost that break we get. We lost that, yeah. you know, that thing we do for ourselves every day before we go home. And that was very challenging. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to talk a little bit about reproductive health. So the reality that so many women have to weigh the impact that pregnancy and motherhood will have on their professional aspirations, at which you just mentioned, is a huge part of self many cases of this of self-identity um and it can be really quite daunting as a working mother and an employer yourself is there a way you believe workplaces can cultivate a more supportive environment to empower women to better navigate this journey and you know potentially can you share what's worked for you and your team and i want to pull on your background as in psychiatry a little bit as well which is not typically found in um you know, medical practices that don't specialize in psychiatry. Yeah. So I'll just make a small correction. Psychology, that, that's my, my profession. Psychology. This is okay. No, it's okay. Um, but just to be accurate. Um, yes, that is, I mean, there is a lot. I think, in my opinion, some of the reasons why women are waiting longer to have kids. When I had my first child, I was 24. Um, you know, all my friends were having kids at 24, 25. Now I think the average age has gone up to like 30, 30 something for women. I think part, not all, but part of the reason women are waiting longer is because of their career, because they know that if they have kids when they're trying to start their career, either no one's going to hire them when they have young kids, or it's going to be very difficult for them to get to work and not stay home. Young kids, when they go to daycare, they get sick a lot. Um, and I think the lack of living around family now, we, you know, we travel a lot more, people live further apart from each other than they used to. Um, I think it's pushing women to wait longer to have kids. Um, I do believe there's a lot companies can do to support women who have children. Um, you know, I always look at it this way. I'm a woman and I had children and I was able to still work and build a company and, and become successful. And then who am I to turn around and not hire someone because she has kids? I have kids. Who am I to look at and an, somebody I'm interviewing and think, oh, but she's great, but she has young kids. It means she's going to stay out. She's going to call out a lot. I had that. So what, what I try to do now, I think companies can do a little bit better of is First of all, my dream is to become big enough where I can have a daycare at, at our place, like either on a different floor or where we are. I would love that. That would be my ideal situation where all my employees can bring their kids to work if they're young and they're not in school um, and be right there next to them um, and not have to worry about childcare and the cost of it. That's ideal. Some companies are able to do that and they do that. And I think that's wonderful. But another thing that I started doing is when I was interviewing and we were growing, I noticed I was interviewing a few women that had kids with very special needs, uh, either physical uh, disabilities or mental disabilities, and they needed work. They were very bright women. And I thought, you know what? Instead of being afraid to hire them and what that might mean, I will hire them, but then I will hire around them. I will depend on them as a part-timer because I know that one might get called out from the school several times her child might have seizures, and that was happening. So instead of not hiring at all, I would hire these women and then I would make sure that this that when they're on the schedule, they're not ever alone on the schedule so that it's if they get called up, it's not a draw. I made sure that I kind of depended on them as a part-timer, even though I was giving them full-time hours. So what that means is I would put them on a schedule, but always have support around them so that if they got called out, somebody else was there to cover. 
I started finding creative ways to work around the childcare needs of some of our employees without actually having a, a childcare center on, on, on site. Um, another thing I do quite often is if um, any of my team members have children who are six, seven years and above that don't need that constant care and they don't have childcare for a day, bring them to work. We have a section downstairs where they can sit and they can sit in the, in the break room as long as they have their coloring books, their homework, their iPads. I encourage that. Um, you know, bring your kid to work. They're well behaved. It's okay. They're far away from the patient area. So there's no risk at that. Um, and you can check in on them once in a while and they can do their activities. And, and I love meeting my employees, kids. I love having kids around in the area because I love kids. So those are little things we try to do to be creative around working around women's childcare needs that has worked and has helped. And I think people appreciate that when they, when they are part of a company like that. That's amazing. I mean, I'm just like shaking my head because... <laughs> Because that's all the things that we tell a lot of our corporate members to do, right? Like, how do we create an environment that supports women? How do we create an environment that supports families? And we knew already when the pandemic hit that we needed to, they needed to be an extra layer of support. Um, and, and I'm just so glad to hear that, you know, you were able to create that environment for your employees. And I think, you know, this is also part of what we talk about when we say, you know, let women lead, right? Like it's, you know, there's just a difference when we see women lead so authentically because one, you've lived through this experience. You know what a mom needs right now when everyone was literally running around frantic um, about, you know, what could potentially happen to their family. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you, um, and, and and this is just me because I, I, I get very excited about, you know, the role that women play in the workplace. But then I also know that women can't work, right? If they're not healthy, if they're not happy, and if they don't feel fulfilled. And and so lately I've been talking about, uh, you know, fibroids. And I know that you work in this, you know, your, you, you know, that's your area of expertise. And we, I have been focused on it because I am a black woman and I'm also from Nigeria. Um, I don't know if you know that. And yeah. Literally, at least three out of five friends of mine are struggling actively with fibroids. I mean, I am—I just feel like I'm lucky um, because pretty much anyone I talk to is suffering from fibroids. So can you just, um, you know, give us, you know, what are some of the things that you're seeing, you're hearing around this particular health condition? And what are some guidance that you can give us? Um, I mean, I don't even know if there's a guidance, right? But what are some tools and resources that anyone going through um, this health condition can utilize to get better? Sure. So much like you, I'm also an African woman, um, born in Nairobi, Kenya, and raised in Egypt my whole life. And three out of every five of my friends in Egypt have fibroids. And it's, it's, rampant it's all it, it, every i feel like everyone i know has it in egypt and i had fibroids myself um and so i think the one thing that struck me is when i found out i had fibroids um we had just started the fibroid portion like the fibroid section of our of our practice but before that i didn't know what fibroids were i had never even heard of them and so i had educated myself a lot we had looked into all the you know options of how to treat them but as a woman, I didn't even know, I had never heard of them. And then I found out I had them. So I was, I was a little bit shocked. 
Um, and then, of course, after researching it, I started knowing, knowing a lot more about fibroids and, and how to treat them. But I think women don't always know enough about their bodies. I think we grow up being told things are normal that aren't normal. Oh, you have heavy bleeding. That's normal. Oh, you have really bad cramps. So do I. That's normal. Um, it's not normal. Um, and we don't know that it's not normal. And so we don't actually go to seek out what could be causing it because we really believe I grew up with the worst cramps ever. I would miss school when I was, you know, when I had my cramps um, and lived my whole life, never went to check it out, thought it was normal. Um, I also notice a lot of women go to their doctors and are not always told they have fibroids. I think if they don't complain of the symptoms, the doctor doesn't actually think it's important to mention because they don't have symptoms. So a lot of women come to us and say, well, I've been to my OB-GYN 10,000 times. Why did nobody ever tell me I had fibroids? Um, I think what's important, the thing we do here at Vivid Eve, we live by something called the three E's for our patients and our team members alike. It's empathize with every team member and patient that walks through the door, educate every team member and patient that walks through the door, and empower every woman team member and, and um, patient that comes through the door. The three E's are very important to me. And I think part of what we like to do at Vivid Eve is when a woman comes in, we really like to educate her on everything. So you're having heavy bleeding and cramps. Have you ever been diagnosed with fibroids? Have you ever been diagnosed with adenomyosis? Why don't we take a look and see if that's what you have? Here's what it is. Here's what it looks like. Do you have these symptoms? We really try to educate them on everything that can be going on with their body and you know where the body parts are and how it works. And then once we figure out exactly what's going on and if it is fibroid, we educate them on every single option to treat them, whether it's surgical or non-surgical. You don't ever make that decision for the patient. They make it for themselves, but you cannot make an educated decision if you don't know all the information. The next step is we empower them. We empower them to then make the decision that they feel suits them better. We don't push one way or another. Um, but I, the, what I could tell women is do a lot of research. When I, I know growing up, I was intimidated to ask my doctor too many questions because sometimes the response I'd get was, I'm the doctor. I told you do this. That's what you do. This is my experience back home. Um, so I would always be intimidated to ask too much. If they said one thing and I wanted to add something or change, I wouldn't. I think we need to empower women to speak up more and say, I know my body. This doesn't feel right to me. I would like to look into it. I think women who have the symptoms of fibroids, and we should all look up and see what the symptoms are, but heavy bleeding, heavy cramping, uh, long periods, lower back pain, um, pain during intercourse, any of those things. When you go to your doctor, flat out ask, is it possible I have fibroids? Could we check and see if I have fibroids? Because a lot of times, like I said, if you don't complain of the symptoms or you're not complaining, they won't tell you you have fibroids. Um, so it's important to ask, advocate for yourself, educate yourself. Don't be afraid to walk into your doctor's appointment with a paper that has all the questions you want to ask. I encourage women to do that when they come to us. Be prepared. Be prepared with a list of questions. We want to make sure we we, we answer every question you have. Um, so, Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just nodding because, you know, when you said empathize, um, because a lot of times, right, as a black woman, you know, we, we don't get a lot of empathy, right? Because people just believe that, you know, you can do this. You're a strong girl. You're a big girl. You can do this. And I always find myself advocating. So I have had four C-section and I've, I always find myself advocating for myself. Um, so I love that you've taking the time to put the structure in place so that, you know, it's forcing, you know, whether it's you or the company or anyone coming through the door to actually go through that step of empathizing 
and then educating because a lot of times you don't even know what's going on with you yeah um, which is why you you know we that person is probably sticking out one of the things i want to i want to just mention um as we as we talk about this because you know the theme of our podcast is leveling up and i have always said that you can't level up if you're sick if you don't know what's wrong with you if you if you are not sure um whether or not you should be um, getting the right kind of care, right? So everything still come, falls under this umbrella of care. We talk about child care a lot, right? Um, but a lot of time when it's time to talk about healthcare, we're kind of like, oh, let's leave that for the medical field. But one of the challenge, and I love Andrea for this, because she's like, we need to be thinking about everything because we can't just talk about, you know, this type of care. We need to talk about the physical, the mental, the, you know, the health. Right, so that women can actually flourish, um, and so I mean, I'm just like nodding to everything you were saying because I truly believe that you have hacked the system. You understand what women need um, in order to be themselves and be available to the needs of their family or their career or even just their own needs. Right. Um, so truly, just grateful to have you on. I think I'm just Thank like you. I want to pause here and talk about our partner, Indeed. The last few years have forced women to rethink the role that work plays in their lives. In fact, flexibility has become a major priority for women going back to work. As a mother of four, I understand how important it is to have flexibility in your job. As much as I would love for things to always go according to plan, life with kids is unpredictable Indeed can help mamas like you find a company that is empathetic and understanding of your needs. Because it's not just about finding a place to work, it's about finding a job that works for you. With Indeed, you can find a job that has the flexibility to fit your life, not the other way around. Not to mention, with Indeed's Work Happiness Report, you can make sure a company scores well on the things that matters most to you like compensation, inclusion, and flexibility. Visit indeed.com slash betterwork to learn more about how Indeed is committed to helping women find better work. And Leslie, I'll take it, I'll take it one step further and tell you, we actually started a, a Fiber 360 program, especially for what you're talking about. We started noticing that when women are suffering from something like fibroids, it doesn't have to be fibroids, but something like fibroids, it affects their relationships, right? Their mood, so it affects their relationships with their partners, their relationships with their kids, um, their happiness level, their confidence level. Um, and I'll never forget, I was walking through a supermarket and we ran into one of our patients who had done the treatment for fibroids with us. And the difference in, she was wearing this beautiful silk, like um, the one piece pant, why can't I think of it? Like a jumpsuit? Yes. She was wearing a beautiful silk jumpsuit. She looked so beautiful and confident. And she saw us in the, in the supermarket. She said, ever since I've gotten my fibroids um, uh, treated, my life has entirely changed. I have a much better relationship with my husband. I'm so much more confident. I feel sexy. I'm a, I'm a nicer mom. And we started realizing, wow, your healthcare, like you're saying, your health affects all these different aspects of your life. So we, we created this Fibroid 360 journey where we don't only treat the patient in the room with the doctor, 
But we've hired these patient concierge teams that when the patient comes out from the doctor, if she's forgotten to ask something, if she was intimidated, that team member sits with her and makes sure, did you get everything you need? What are your next steps? How can I hold your hand through this process? What do I need to do to help your life be better while you're going through this with us? And our journey is not just, our mission is not only to treat the fibroids, it's to treat the whole woman. It's to get her back to a place where she's happy, she's confident, her relationships with her partners have improved with her children. She's a better mom. She's a better daughter. She's a better wife. That's our mission. It's not just to treat the fibroid. Yeah. So, so one one last question from me. So I, I'll let Andrea jump in. I didn't mean to hijack the entire podcast. Um, but so you know, for women that obviously do not have access to fever E, right? What what are the tools that we can give them to advocate for themselves? to get the support and the care that they need to thrive? I think what I find helps a lot with women is to join online support groups or, or just be a part of a group of women that goes through very similar things like you because we empower each other. And so if you feel like you're going through this by yourself, you're not, you might not feel so confident. You might not even know where to start your journey. What kind of doctor do I look for? What do I? But once you know and once you've spoken to women who have been through that and they can tell you, hey, you know, look into these options if you think you have fibroids. Go to a doctor. I went to one who, who you are, you have access to that really listens and really don't be afraid to walk in with a, you know, do your research before and walk in with a paper with all your questions. We need to, to rally around each other and really support each other to ask, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to do your research. Um, and don't be afraid to get a second opinion. Don't be afraid to get a third opinion until it sounds right to you and it makes sense for you. Nehal, you're the co-founder of Viva Eve, which is dedicated to reinventing how women's health is managed. And previously you ran a psychology practice. How has your background in psychology informed your approach to patient care? And what is the one thing you want all women, perhaps even especially those who aren't able to be cared for by Viva Eve to better manage their own care? So my background in psychology has really shaped a lot of how I approached uh, Viva Eve when we started it. Um, I think just being a, a therapist for 15 years and, and really getting a, a good connection with women and knowing what women want and need and really helped me shape how we built the practice in terms of what we offer women, in terms of even patients or, or people who, who join our practice to work with us. Um, you know, women want to be heard baseline that's all women just want to feel like they were taken seriously and they were heard in healthcare a lot of times like um lessons was saying women are either kind of brushed aside when they have concerns or we're looked at drama queens oh she's dramatic she's uh, it's not that it can't be that painful she's and i think we, we face that a lot and um women want to feel like they've been taken seriously they've been heard they're supported um, i think women really appreciate when you take the time to empower them, educate them, because that's lacking. And so having that background and having dealt with women for so many years in, in my practice, I think it really helped um, when I when I was creating VVE with, with, uh, with my husband, just what do we want to add in terms of even just how comfortable the space is. Um, being a woman, I know that nobody wakes up and is like, yay, I'm going to my OBGYN. It's, I'm so excited. Um, you know, unless you're excited about your pregnancy, it's, it's usually not a good thing. You're going for something that's bothering you. Um, so just how aesthetically we made the practices look and, and how comfortable and warm we made them, that was all by design. It was to make women who have certain fears or anxieties about coming to the doctor um, much more comfortable. It was about making them feel 
pampered. Women want to be pampered. We, you know, all our toilets are heated. All our, you know, all our rooms have their own ultrasound machine. So you don't have to go from room to room. Um, you know, we really took the time out to make that whole experience comfortable. And then we made sure that all our, our team members who were working with those women listened very carefully, empathized a lot. And like I spoke about, educated and empowered yeah. them because that's what women want. So that background, I, I believe, helped me a lot kind of create what I wanted to create for women. Yeah. And so second part of your question, sorry, because you were asking, what do I say to women who um, were you asking? What do I say to women who don't have access to VVE or, or just yeah. in, their journey in general? So at VVE, we know that the whole woman is cared for. Yeah. And actually, I something a thread of an earlier part of the conversation where you talked about you know that i am seeing i'm hearing echoed here that i think is so compelling is really just viewing a woman as the whole person for all of the you know her all of the responsibilities and interests and obligations and dynamic sort of components of her personality and not expecting to have one or the other thing sidelined in order to make either her care work or her employment work. So I wanted to call that out because what I, the question, the final piece of that question that I do think is so important is that what is, a what's any piece of advice that you could give a woman who, you know, perhaps cannot come to be treated at Viva Eve in order, what can she do or know in order to ensure that she gets for herself the best care possible? I think knowing herself very well is the first step because unless you know the symptoms you're having, what what's bothering you, um, how stress is, is affecting the symptoms you're having, are you under a lot of stress these days, knowing your environment, knowing yourself, knowing your body very well is the first step in actually being able then to seek the kind of care that you actually need or, or might benefit from. So take the time as a woman, take the time out to get to know yourself, get to know your body, get to know what's normal for you and what's not normal for you. Um, what might be normal for me as a woman might be actually not normal for you at all um, and vice versa. So really getting in touch with yourself and taking that time out to, to discover yourself before you decide what help you need or who might um, be the best to go to for your, for your needs. That I think is the, is the ultimate first step. After that, it then becomes a little bit easier to figure out who do you need to go to? What style of, of doctor would suit you better? Are you, you know, do you want to go to the doctor that's very well known, but, you know, is very authoritative and just doesn't have, you know, just like it is. Do you want somebody who's a little bit more empathetic, spends more time with patients? Does this person specialize in what you think you have? Um, and if they do, what have other women experienced with this, with this provider? I think those are really things that knowing yourself, doing your research, um, and like we talked about before, advocating for yourself. Don't ever be afraid to advocate for yourself. We are, women are sometimes kind of made to feel like, don't advocate for yourself. And when you're offered a job, don't negotiate, even though it's very normal for men to negotiate. But when women negotiate, it's like, oh, she's being difficult. I think we have to break through all these things. And, and really, the only people that can break through them is us as women. And so we have to start a little bit and saying, no, hang on, I have some more questions. I, I, I want to ask more about this. You said this, but it doesn't make sense to me. I'm feeling more like this. Can we please look into that a bit more? And, and it doesn't have to be yeah. in an unfriendly way, but really advocating for yourself and standing up for yourself and knowing what you need. Those are very important things no matter where you go. I love that, Nehal. Thank you so much for that excellent advice and very sage wisdom. Um, 
if you're okay with this, let's finish up with the lightning round. This is really fun and it gives us an opportunity and our listeners an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. So what was the last thing you read, watched, or listened to that you cannot stop thinking about? So most of the books I've read in the past few years have been business books, but the one book I read recently on um, on the a very rare break that my husband and I took in Arizona by the pool was a book called um, When Breath Becomes Air. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. I have read that. Yes. And it impacted me because I related to it on so many levels. First, my husband was a, was a resident and he was, he was a doctor, so he was in residency. So I related to that part of it. Um, so, and, and I know all the difficulties of residency and the difficulties and stress it can put on a marriage, on a family, uh, because of the time constraints. But then also my father had just recently passed away from cancer as well. So that really, I resonated with that very, and, and of course, ended up crying um, by the poolside in the middle of you know the hotel, which was fine, but it really impacted me and it, it touched me. And I think because I related to it so much, that book is what stands out to me recently because most of the other books were all business uh, books that I've been yes. reading. So. Well, that is one that sticks with you for sure. It does. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a great read for, yeah. um, it's not a light read, I would no, say, but a <laughs> no, very, very moving read. Yeah. Um, please share a moment of parenting success where you just felt on top of your game. We talk about all of the struggles, right? So let's talk about the wins. It's funny. Uh, I think when I fill out the school forms or just manage to get my, to my kid to the doctor on time, I feel like a major win. <laughs> more, And I think most women do too. When you just get things in on time and you know sign them up for camp before the deadlines, you feel like you've done a parenting win. Um, but I think more recently, two things um, I think stand out for me because I have two kids that are very far apart in age. Um, with the older one, it was really struggling for years to figure out why he was struggling so much with certain things and then being a big part of discovering that he had ADHD and that all our beliefs and all our frustrations with himself and, and us with him in the past many years were had an actual it, it wasn't a failure as a parent it was there was something causing these things that made him feel better about himself and made me feel better as a parent because all of a sudden it wasn't this guilt of I failed him. I didn't do a good job. Why is he struggling? It was, oh, he's struggling because it's normal to struggle with these things when you have ADHD. It's not something I did. It's not something he's not doing. So coming to that conclusion and that realization and helping him through that process of discovering that, for me, felt like a big win for both of us. And that really stands out in my mind. And that happened just recently. Amazing. Another one is with my younger one. Um, I spend a lot of time trying to teach my children the importance of balance in your life. You, it's not that you can't video game, play video games. You just have to balance it with doing enough sports, getting good grades. Um, and it's not even about good grades. Putting in good effort in your schoolwork. Um, the grade is just an end result of that, but the actual thing is the effort you put in. Um, and I always really try to teach them balance. Everything has a balance. You know, never too much of anything, never too little of anything. Um, also teaching him and both my kids how to learn to be emotionally intelligent and how to get what you want from people without... Um, you know, by being kind or by knowing what what buttons to hit. And very recently, my 12-year-old, for the first time ever, instead of asking me to send his teacher an email, uh, please send her an email, tell her this, tell her that. No, you do it. All of a sudden, he came to me one day. He was like, Mom, I took your advice. I had messed up in class. My teacher was upset with me. I sent her an email. And he read me the email. It was really well written. It was very emotionally intelligent. He apologized. He said, that's completely on me. I understand this must have been very frustrating for you that I was talking out of line in class and disrupting the class. It must have been, as a teacher, that must have been so frustrating for you. I apologize. I will do better because I know better. 
And I just felt like, yes, he's been- That is amazing. And ever since then, he's been handling things like that with classmates and with teachers in a much more emotionally intelligent, mature way. And it makes me feel like the lesson has been has been learned. And I always tell That's awesome. parenting is an investment. Like when you invest money in a, in a company, you don't expect to see the return the next day or in a month or in a, sometimes you leave your money in there for 10 years before you see the, the return on your investment. Parenting is the exact same way. You invest all this knowledge and experience into your children, but don't get frustrated when you don't get the return right away. It's an investment. One day they'll turn around and say something to you. You'll be like, ah, they were listening. Um, That's amazing. Very similarly, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Um, and now a shameless plug. So what can we, what can our listeners do to support Viva Eve and to learn more about Viva Eve? I think really to support Viva Eve as a company, if you have friends or family or you yourself uh, live in an area that makes sense for you to come to us and you, this kind of holistic care, the, the taking care of the whole woman interests you and it's something you're looking for, Come on by, check us out, even if it's just to say hi. Come check out our new space in, in Manhattan on Madison. Um, to support Viva Eve as a brand and as uh, something we believe in, empower your friends. Even if they don't come to Viva Eve, empower them to seek help when they need it. Empower them to ask questions. Um, empower them to take care of themselves, to, to do their research, um, You know, be there for each other and and this is something we can all do together. Empower them to, you know, speak up against things that they they need or things that they don't like. And that's that's what we believe in. So even if you just do that and it's not even coming straight to us, that's something that's that can support us indirectly as well. Absolutely. And we'll, in our show notes, we'll share the social media handles where everyone can follow Viva Eve. Um, and that's thank it. you so much. Thank you. For all of the great conversation and um, for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Season two of Birthright is funded by the California Healthcare Foundation and the Commonwealth Fund. Birthright is produced by Motor City Woman Studios in Detroit with Kimberly Seals Allers as executive producer and Alexa Imani Spencer as researcher and assistant producer. Our music is by Dantrell Robinson and we dedicate this season in his memory. And don't forget to subscribe to Birthright wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating and review if you like what you hear. Find episode notes and learn more at birthrightpodcast.com. And don't forget to like and follow the Birthright Podcast YouTube page for exclusive videos and extras. Follow at IMKSealsAllers on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And please support our Patreon account. Together, we are reclaiming our birthright one story at a time. <laughs>